0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, and I'm back. Big thanks to MS Sandler and Liz Flora for holding down the fort and for all you listeners for staying with us. My first guest back is Alyssa Metzger, the co founder of Gen Z skincare brand In Beauty.
1: Welcome, Alyssa. Hi, Priya. I'm so happy to be here and congratulations on your baby and coming back. Thank you. Alyssa, it's so
0: exciting to talk to you because I know that we talked almost right before I left and there was so much happening at in Beauty, and you were really leading the charge in the Gen Z skincare market. Um, but before we kind of go into the details of the brand, and what's been going on now, tell us a little bit about you. How did you find your way to founding this brand?
1: Wow. So it's been a long journey for me. I have had a really long career in the beauty space, and what had attracted me to a career in beauty was really my left-brain, right-brained mindset. I love the way you can be both analytical and extremely creative at the same time while working in beauty, so that's why I chose a career in beauty. And to to fast forward, having worked at a lot of big companies like L'Oreal and Procter & Gamble and Cody and then some smaller companies... It was really not until my most recent role at Tula, where I was the VP of marketing and I had met my co-founder, Jen Shane, that this idea sparked and we just couldn't let it go. We were working at Tula, so uh, developing the incredible skincare that was probiotic-based and noticed that there was a major shift happening in all verticals. And this was, what, about six years ago it was wellness. The wellness movement had taken over everything from apparel to food, beverage. We sell SoulCycle pop-up and juice press and all of these incredibly good for you type of businesses and propositions. And the way it manifested itself in beauty and skincare in particular was clean. And that was extremely exciting to both of us. And we saw incredible brands and pioneers like Drunk Elephant and Beauty Counter and Youth to the People and Herbivore Botanicals pop up in the industry coming to the forefront with not just how effective their products were, but also how clean they were. And that was really the primary message. And that resonated with customers and consumers because we wanted to make sure that what we were putting on our skin, our largest organ, was good for us. And with that... Jen and I quickly noticed a couple of blatant things missing, and first and foremost was an accessible price point. If you think about a brand like Drunk Elephant or Beauty Counter and the average product price and even the average routine being anywhere from $100 up, and then you match that with the average US salary being less than $45,000 a year, it became really evident that clean skincare was just not something that most Americans can afford. And so we were super passionate about how do we democratize clean, bring it to a more accessible price point and open it up to a wider audience.
0: You know, obviously TULO was ahead of its game in terms of ingredient formulation and, you know, what was happening in the clean skincare movement. But In Beauty is really around the idea of serving Gen Z. And, you know, I know that you're not a Gen Z-er yourself, But I'm wondering, like, why did you think, like, this was such an untapped market and why you thought Gen Zers were ready for this kind of beauty proposition?
1: It's such an excellent question. And every time I think about it, I laugh because we, Jen and I really thought about this demographic and this audience before it even had a name. Gen Z really started after we had launched and it was this kind of perfect storm, as I like to call it. But for us, the, what we were thinking about was how do we attract and create a brand that resonates with the next generation of customers? And so for me, it was about the next generation. And the way we thought about it was really identifying this white space. So when we think about, again, I, I like to go back to the early pioneers of, of clean beauty Um And the ones that popped up during this wellness movement and moment, Drunk Elephant, those price points and and Beauty Counter and some of the other brands that I mentioned, those price points and the, the early demographic that they were attracting and the skin benefits or concerns that they were speaking to were really an older customer. It was a millennial, potentially the older end of the millennial. And so what we saw was a customer in their teens, 20s, that didn't have a brand that was speaking to them. From one, an accessibility perspective, when you're younger and your career hasn't really set off yet, or you're still thinking about college and being in school and paying bills, or even if you're a little bit older, the higher price point really was something that was a huge barrier and an obstacle. And so that was first and foremost. And secondly the minimalist tones and the kind of subdued aesthetic when we were researching and thinking about Gen Z before they were called Gen Z was really not something that resonated with this generation. The way i think about it, this generation's loud and proud. They're extremely vocal, they're extremely opinionated. They have a voice and they want to use it. They're not shy. They're you know, unfiltered. And so we wanted to create a brand that spoke to them that didn't exist. And now it's evolved to this kind of first Gen Z player, which we love because I think this industry is driven by innovation and innovation comes in many forms, including creating something that doesn't exist for an audience that's starving to consume.
0: How hard was it for you, Alyssa, to kind of put your head in that mindset? You know, you're not Gen Z yourself. You're thinking about this next generation that doesn't have a name. If I remember correctly, you guys launched at the end of 2019 before COVID, like, hit. And, you know, consumer behavior hadn't totally changed (laughs) the first time around. Um, You know, where were you looking? What were you looking at? What was interesting to you? What was inspiring about, about these women and young women and young men?
1: So I consume everything from social media. It's so funny. I spend hours a day, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, and really take a lot of guidance and inspiration from from social channels and just authentic creators that are just there to create content that makes them feel happy. Um, Looking at the industry and the landscape, walking into a Sephora, an Ulta, a Target, a Walmart... You really learn a lot. And so I remember early days, we were looking at the brands that were coming out and really popping. And it was a sea of millennial pink. And I remember putting on a piece of paper, a picture of Glossier, who did it first, did it best. And I think a lot of other companies wanted to replicate Glossier's success and took a lot of inspiration from the millennial pink. But then you saw brands like Kylie Skin and, and a lot of other players just launch a lot of pinks and beiges and peaches. And at a certain point, after asking people around me, friends that weren't even in the industry, to identify, you know, which brand is interesting to you, they said, well, we can't even tell the difference. That they're all they're all light pink. And so it became extremely clear, just from digesting information from all these different sources that bright and bold and packaging in an aesthetic that spark joy is something that is very much needed and doesn't exist in the industry.
0: What about in terms of what they were? Using, you know, in terms of products, because like you said, you were one of the first uh, who kind of came out of the gate, even before Gen Z is like Addison Ray or mm-hmm. the D'Amelios were launching brands themselves. You know, what were they using in terms of product, or were they just really on the cusp of about to engage with something, kind of the way that we did when we were using like
1: Neutrogena
0: as teenagers?
1: I think you're 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 right there. There's A lot of, oh, I'm using what my mom has in the bathroom, and I love what she's using, whether it's Drunk Elephant or Tatcha, but I can't really afford to buy it for myself, so I kind of sneak it. And then there's a lot of mass brands that were being consumed when we were doing our research. And so it it became very obvious that there isn't this very strong go-to brand that this audience can consume and really fall in love with. And that was another big data point where we knew this was a white space that needed to be developed. We were super excited about it. We knew we can't be the only ones. It always takes healthy competition to really create a category. And we're so glad to see some of these newer brands pop up because now it's Become an established category. And this generation is now being recognized by different brands and marketed to. And as far as benefits, aesthetics, brand messaging, sustainability, all of the things that are important.
0: So, obviously, Alyssa, you know, so much has changed since you guys first launched. You were originally just an e commerce brand, the pandemic hit, you went into Sephora last year. And now everyone is obsessed with Gen Z. It's all that people can talk about. You know, millennials are, forget millennials, forget Gen X, and maybe even forget boomers, which we've been obsessed with forever. Uh, That's all people can talk about. But I'm I'm wondering, you know, what has changed for you as a brand? Like, I mean, I know that originally you were one of the first brands on TikTok and on Instagram talking to these creators. Now there's a lot more
1: competition, like you said. So- I always think in order to really create something, you need competition. You you need a competitive set. You you need your friend to the right and to the left if you're thinking about retail space to, to create a category. And so I welcome it all. I think it legitimizes what we're doing, and it really legitimizes and emphasizes this demographic. Regarding forget about the millennial and some of the older generations, the way we think about it is ultimately... At the core of skincare is addressing a concern or benefit that the client or the customer is looking for. And what we've seen and how our brand has evolved is there are certain products that resonate with a younger audience. For example, our pimple paste has gone viral many times on TikTok because it is this really fun, easy to use spot treatment that came out at the right time when maskity was a huge concern and people were using it under their mask to make sure they can treat whatever's going on um, while they're wearing it, if they're working or studying or just inside. And then we've also seen that there is an older client, millennial and even older, that is coming to the brand because She is so delighted by the efficacy of the product, yet is just loving the accessibility of it. I had a friend who is also um, a mom, and she sent me a message saying, I've been using this cream from my esthetician for the longest time, And I've been spending hundreds of dollars and I just tried your peptide uh, moisturizer, the 10 plus 10 moisturizer, and it beats the one I've been using out of the water. And it's like less than a third of the price. So thank you. And she said, I went to Sephora and I stocked up. So we see that with skincare, when what's in the jar, in the bottle performs and does what it says it's supposed to do, it does span an audience. And it's really about getting that client getting that customer in the age of gen z when they're when they're younger and making sure they're able to evolve and grow with the brand we'd hate to lose them we'd hate to say oh, okay now you're 30 or 35 or whatever whatever it is you have to graduate to to this other brand we want to make sure they stick with us and so our product pipeline also is thoughtfully created around that
0: so one of the things that I think is so interesting about InBeauty, and obviously I really love the glosses, which is a make care, makeup skincare product, but it is about skincare and, you know, it hasn't so heavily focused on, you know, an obvious category for someone that age, right? It isn't like all about you for your makeup, like everyone else is doing right now, right? <laughs> but I'm wondering, you know, what was it about the skincare proposition? Was it really just about, hey, this is a, a time in someone's life where they're going through so many changes, and it's an important time to kind of grab them and and talk to them and connect with them, or was it just that you think that the c- innovation in skincare could be brought down to this accessible price point and and into
1: and this audience? I think it's a little bit of both, plus Jen and my personal passion for skincare. So when you think of the beauty landscape, the foundation is skin. You can put as much makeup as you want and really buy the, the, the best of the best. And if your skin's not in a healthy place, if your skin barrier is compromised, if you've got acne or, or me- many other concerns, the makeup can only go so far. And so that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is exactly what you said, we didn't see a democratic price point, an accessible price point within clean skincare. And Jen, my business partner, is super passionate about the fact that skincare shouldn't be this like special treat. So if you buy this really expensive jar of moisturizer, you use it a couple times a year, you save it. It's a daily routine. It's It's something that you should be using twice a day. And when it costs a lot of money, you just can't afford it. And so then you have to compromise. And so she says, I never want our customer to compromise on quality and efficacy. And so we didn't see another brand that was doing high level of efficacy, really beautiful, luxurious textures that you just can't wait to Use on your face, um, clean the highest level of clean. We're also we're, we're not only sold at Sephora, we're also found at Credo, and their level of clean and quality and the attention they pay to that is just you know by far the most strict, which I think is wonderful. We didn't see all of those things at on the on the market at an accessible price point. If you think about our price point, we're a third of the price of the average moisturizer on the shelves of Sephora. And so that was a huge opportunity for us. We'll be right back after this message.
0: Tell me a little bit about why Sephora. It's been almost a year, a little over a year, actually, that you've been with the brand. Um, First at Sephora.com, and now you're in the next big thing wall which is a huge opportunity. But you know, you really are grounding Sephora in their Gen Z offering. I would say that you were you were the first or one of the few brands that really serves Gen Z. And Sephora, traditionally being known as more luxury and more of a prestige player,
1: like why was they why were they the right retailer for you or why were they the right big retailer for you? Such a great question and I'll have to say I've been even since my days at NYU undergrad, Sephora was really like that beauty destination that I had always gravitated to. It was just like you walk in and it's just the best of the best and it's a party and the music's loud and the lighting's great. And so it's always been kind of a dream retail partner. But on more of like the business brand discovery side, Credo was the first retailer that had approached us uh, shortly after we had launched. And it was really in the thick of COVID. And we were just really uncertain about what was going to happen. And they understood what we were doing. They said, "Okay, you're doing clean. You're doing skincare. And you're doing accessible price points. And you're doing fun, bright, and bold. We get it. And we don't have anything in our assortment that is that, that speaks to that younger client. So we get what you're doing. Let's launch. And so we had launched on credo.com. The stores had been shut down. So that wasn't an opportunity because of COVID. And then because we recognize the power of brick and mortar retail. Now it's, it's been tough. It's been a challenge because of COVID and quarantining and all the restrictions and obviously better safe than sorry. We knew down the road, having a really strong, supportive marquee retail partner Where you can be discovered on a shelf, if even if nobody's heard of you, um, would be a huge benefit to us. And Sephora, if you think of the household names out there, again going back to brands like You to the People and Drunk Elephant and Tatcha, those brands all started at Sephora with just a couple of SKUs on a shelf. And have grown to be these huge, iconic businesses. And so I don't think anyone does indie brand cultivation like Sephora. They're incredible storytellers. They know their clients so well. They know their environment so well. And in our early conversations, they acutely understood what we were doing. They said, okay, you're doing clean, which is table stakes. Like that is really so necessary for this younger client. You're doing fun, bright, and bold. The branding's there. And you're doing accessible, but guess what? You're also putting in all these clinically effective ingredients that our client is very well from, is very familiarized with, and is looking for, like the peptides, the vitamin C's, the hyaluronic acid, bakuchiol, etc. And so they they just they got it, and I think we were delighted that we did offer something new that they didn't carry at the time. So the white space opportunity is huge for us, and so this partnership has been a dream. We pinch ourselves every day knowing we're found on the shelves of Sephora and all the stores across the United States. I think it's a huge win. And I think the fact that it happened rather quickly for us as a brand, I've been in this industry for a long time, certain, t- certain brands it takes years to get to this level of retail distribution is, the- is because it is truly a white space opportunity. It didn't exist.
0: So now that you're kind of one of these anchor brands um, at Sephora in terms of Gen Z, you know, how are you going to kind of keep expanding that offering, whether it's through new product or new categories? And then also, where does that leave the DDC side of the
1: business? So I think we have barely even scratched the surface as far as product offerings. I love the fact that we have our community on whether it's TikTok, Instagram, um, our our customers that we have through our DTC channel that give us incredible feedback and it's real time and it's honest and it's raw and it's unfiltered about product needs, product uh, commentary, whether they like the way something feels or looks or smells or the packaging. And so that's really informed a lot of what we do a great example is we launched our product if you haven't had a chance to try it I'll definitely send you one to try it's called face glaze and it's this beautiful skin barrier veil it can be used as a primer a highlighter when we first launched it it was in this jar packaging our community said the formula is fantastic the packaging is terrible please change it and so we said okay that's what they want that's what we're gonna do and so it wasn't ever a product that was you know I'll be honest in our top top sellers and after we had changed it, it just completely popped. And so they knew they knew what they wanted. And so now FaceGlaze is one of our top sellers across our DTC business, as well as Sephora. And so we are very keenly listening to what our community and our audience wants. We're super excited about the untapped potential of the acne category and clean. If you just simply go to sephora.com or just scan the market and look at acne. It's a category that hasn't had a lot of innovation in a very long time. The category leaders are still proactive and some brands that have been around for generations. And so um, acne done clean in an innovative way is something that we're super excited about. So that's in our future. and We're taking a lot of feedback and commentary from our community. So
0: Alyssa, for you, you know, when you think about acne specifically, it's such a big opportunity. And you think, like you said, there's so many of the same players like Proactive or Neutrogena or Clean and Clear that have been around forever. And there aren't a lot of disruptors. But what do you think gives you the gravitas? Is it the fact that you are a clean brand and you already are doing all these great ingredient like concoctions and, and mixtures for the for the audience that needs it? Do you think that is the entry point for getting Gen Z on board With you and with acne?
1: Acne is an interesting one because it's an OTC, FDA-regulated category. So in order to claim acne benefits, you have to have all this testing. And there are only a number of ingredients that are approved by the FDA to be formulated for acne treatment. However, what Jen, um, co-founder and head of innovation, is super passionate about is taking those ingredients that are dictated by the FDA and combining them with whether it's ingredients of a natural origin or something that also helps with acne, blemishes, and all the things that are attached to that, whether it's hyperpigmentation, post-acne scars, marks, and combining it. She is really such an ingredient nerd. She will read medical journals and dermatology articles all night and text me in the middle of the night about something that she found. And so she really thinks about the ingredients in a very holistic way and not just say, okay, well, you know, salicylic acid is it. Let's just put salicylic acid in a bottle and call it our next acne serum. That is just not the way she operates. She'll look at different herbs and whether it's Eastern medicine, and just so much research to think about it in a more innovative approach. And then she also thinks about the holistic way of where does acne come from? There's hormonal acne, cystic acne, there's so many fungal acne, there's so many ways and, and different, um, different things that acne can come, up, come from that she's unique in, form- in formulating in such a 360 approach.
0: Tell me a little bit about the customer, because, you know, like we said, you don't want InBeauty to be kind of exclusionary, that like once you turn 35 or 30, you're out of this, out of this brand. But, you know, Gen Z is changing so much. So much is happening at this age. Um, I can even imagine, I can't even imagine, you know, all these different demographics and psychographics within, within Gen Z. So I'm wondering like, how are you responding to that so quickly? Is it through you know, constant communication on TikTok and and Instagram, or, or or where are you finding you know, the the impetus to change and change with them?
1: I think for us, thinking about skincare, while the customer is evolving and the way he, she, or they think about their their life and their skin and identity is evolving, and there's so much going on around them, and now that we're coming out of COVID, but maybe not. Um, you know, the way we live, work, communicate, socialize has changed so much. The thing that remains is skin care. And how do you take care of your skin to make sure that fe- that you feel your best? Ultimately, it's not about looking a certain way, and that's what Gen Z has taught us, and I love that. I'm so inspired by it. It's about feeling a certain way. And in one of your previous questions you mentioned you, you know what S- Sephora works works expanding expanding and and building out our portfolio there what about D2C what i'm passionate about is skincare education in a really easy to understand palatable way that addresses specifically this younger generation that may not know everything about skin and they don't have access to the beauty advisor at Nordstrom maybe the way the older generation had shopped that can tell them and give them tutorials and treatments and and all of that. They really look to online resources to learn. And so in terms of our D2C and the evolution there, I'm so passionate about that being a destination for education, but a really in a really approachable way. So I think in the past it would be a video of a person in a lab coat or someone like an authority figure, whether it's a doctor, whoever it is, you know, teaching you about skin and talking about complexes and ingredients and, and really like complicated formulations. For us, it's how do we take it down to that level of where it's someone you feel comfortable about, whether it's an esthetician. We recently partnered with an incredible licensed esthetician that we had discovered on social media, or Jen, our founder, Really just talking about, okay, like let's start with cleansing. Why do you need to cleanse your face? And do you need to do it twice a day? And what do you need to do it with? Because there's so much content out there between the TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, there's so much that there's this notion of, okay, so do I have to buy all of these things and use them on my face at the same time? And is it too much? Is it too aggressive? So taking things down to this kind of fundamental level of skin education and product education. I think will be our winning strategy as far as I believe this brand. They make me feel comfortable about who I am, what my skin looks like. I don't have to look a certain way. I love the price points. And guess what? The packaging sparks joy and it makes me happy. So Alyssa, what's next
0: for the brand? You know, obviously, we've talked a little bit about where you were thinking about going with Sephora and obviously new categories, but what are you really excited about and what do you want to do next?
1: We still feel like such a tiny infant brand. We had just launched at Sephora, brick and mortar. So all the freestanding stores just this past fall. So October was really our first month. We just launched a couple of new products, um, including a retinol that just came out. And really it's about being effective, not aggressive. I feel like we have so much opportunity. There's so much ahead of us really bolstering and building the business What's Sephora is a huge focus for us. Um, We're super excited about what's to come. You know, we're, we're looking to launch a couple of new products, SKUs, later this year and hopefully grow within that environment on the next big thing wall. As far as developing our D2C, same thing. I am, you know, if I think about like the next couple of years, I'm so excited about building this like interactive education hub where people that may not even be interested in buying a specific product from us come for education and inspiration and ingredient learning. That's like just so fun and different creating creating a destination like that. Um, that I that that's in the works and and we've, you know, started laying the foundation for that. And the way I think about it now, like Brands aren't confined to a specific market. I do think we have so much ground to cover in the US, but I think we have content creators DMing us from Australia, from Thailand, from Korea saying, Where can I buy your brand? I wanna I I wanna create content with it and I wanna go buy it and tell my tell my friends. And so I'm super excited about just the global potential of in beauty. And that's very much down the road. But I think like when I when I think of the future and like how do I envision our brand, it's a global household name.
0: Last question for you, Alyssa. You know, we talked a little bit of, about TikTok throughout this conversation. And I'm just wondering, you know, the days of being viral on TikTok, you know, it used to be so much more about being organic and knowing the right creators and all of that. And now it's a little bit more formulaic, right? Like Instagram and Facebook before it. How are you guys, you know, staying current and of the moment and keeping your finger on the pulse there?
1: TikTok is such an interesting one and the way I the way I compare TikTok and Instagram is like they're they're worlds apart and TikTok I think still very much is driven by creativity where Instagram it's it's nearly impossible to go, you know, quote unquote viral unless you have a huge audience. So unless you have a lot of followers on Instagram, your content can't really pop. Um, TikTok still has that element of virality. If you think about our brand, our follower count may not be huge. However, we have 1.5 million likes. So 1.5 million TikTokers out there have liked a video from us. And so that's extremely powerful to me. The way we approached TikTok from the very beginning was we reached out to various creators and said, Hey, we're a new brand. We're just launched. We'd love to get you a box of our product. You don't have to do anything with it. And we saw that as soon as they received it, they were like, Whoa, this packaging, I want to try it. And so I think that element of bright, bold, fun packaging really appealed to the creators and they had just started creating organic content with it. And even the ones that had a larger following our videos the the videos that our products were featured in went viral and and so we kind of like broke the algorithm or like were were hit by the algorithm bef- without even knowing what would what would work just because of the bright packaging and so now our strategy is never really about follower count it's not about how big you are as an influencer it's about people that are creating authentic creative content and it's that personal narrative of, look at my skin, I've been struggling with this, or this makes me happy. Like I look like a glazed donut when I put my face glaze on. That's that authentic content. And then the use of some trending sounds obviously can't, can't hurt. That's how we're winning. And, and we're testing out so many different audiences from people that are passionate about food, skincare, fashion. Um, we just worked with a content creator that works at Google. And she talks about how how her career at google is and basically it's very much just a narrative of her life and so you never know where your next viral video will come from and so we just have such a diverse audience and um, content creator pool that we partner with
0: thank you so much Alyssa. it was great having you today and we can't wait to see what's next thank you Priya. likewise it was so nice talking to you Thanks for tuning into the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.